This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, what's become known as Putin's war in Ukraine is really casting a great shadow over all of uh, Europe and indeed the whole world. The latest developments have seen Ukraine have important and significant victories on the battlefield, but the news that Vladimir Putin was going to call up 300,000 reservists and also that he was going to hold a, a fake referendum this weekend in four little provinces where they will rig the result and they won't have to rig the result. They will declare them on Monday to be part of Greater Russia. The referendum will take care of that. But that, of course, means that any attack on those provinces, regions, runs the risk of inflicting damage, death in Russian territory. And in those circumstances, Russia feels that it must and can use, if necessary, any means, including tactical nuclear weapons or even something heavier than that. To discuss this and, of course, the election in Italy on Sunday, when there's every prospect of a right-wing coalition and a quite serious right-wing coalition gaining power. As we know, last week in Sweden, the right took power there as well. We're joined by John Kampfner. John is a very distinguished British journalist. He's an author, broadcaster, commentator. He's now an executive director at Chatham House, which is a think tank in London, a very respected one. And he, he is leading its UK in the world initiative. John, thank you very much for joining us. I know there's a very important event taking place at the moment in the House of Commons where Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwatang, her chancellor, are reshaping uh, the British economy. But Ukraine, as I suggested at the beginning, and Putin are really dominating everybody's thoughts at the moment. Can I ask you, because you were the bureau chief for the Daily Telegraph in Moscow in the mid-90s. You know the country very well. How, how much trouble is Putin in? Hi there, Eamon. What a, yeah, what a miserable way to start. He is in, he is in trouble. 
he is feeling embattled, aggrieved, desperate. Um, and the problem with the situation is that desperate people can sometimes take desperate measures. And when I'm sort of reminding of sort of teenagers saying to their parents, you know, I've had it with you guys. I'm not bluffing. Um, I'm yes. leaving. Uh, that phrase, I'm not bluffing, puts you into a desperate corner because if you say that, then you can't bluff. And um, he was referring to uh, Russia's nuclear arsenal, which he was boasting in a ridiculous way because <laughs> it won't take much for mutually assured destruction on both sides um, that were stronger than American uh, ones. So it's interesting. I mean, I had... Um, uh, I've had some conversations with British and European, God, it's weird to call them differently now, British and other uh, security people and diplomats over the last few days with a weird conversation about what constitutes being mad. Um, yes. We know that Putin is bad, um, <clears throat> but to what degree is he actually suffering from delusions and paranoia? And that's obviously when you're in real trouble. Um, the world is in real trouble. So I mean, the answer is people don't know, or if they do know, they are not letting on because uh, you know we're in incredibly dangerous territory now. But most of my Russian friends long ago fled the country. They're in the UK, they're in Germany, France, Switzerland, Estonia, Latvia, you name it, they're there. Um, Georgia, other countries to the south of Russia, more of them were getting out within hours of Putin's yes. uh, somewhat deranged TV address. Uh, meantime, people in Ukraine are, I think, for the first time since the initial invasion and the bombings of, of Kiev and the massacre of Bucha just outside Kiev and stuff, are genuinely frightened. So it's an it's incredibly precarious situation. The only sliver I think of comfort, uh, or thin though that is, is the role that's increasingly being played by countries that are not Western. Yes. Um, so, for example, Turkey, Erdogan, who's not everybody's cup of tea, he's a nasty dictator himself, but or at least authoritarian, um, he has been telling Putin in no uncertain terms to stop this saber-rattling. Um, the Chinese at a recent summit um, of Eurasian countries in Uzbekistan, Xi Jinping pretty plainly told Putin that he wasn't necessarily on board uh, his whole approach. The Indians, Modi is getting worried by all of this. So it it is not as if Putin can rely upon people he might otherwise call allies to get him out of this pickle. Yes, and yesterday at the UN General Assembly, the Irish Taoiseach uh, Michal Martin described Russia as a rogue state. People were very, very tough on the Russians. They, of course, have a permanent seat on the Security Council, which Ireland is occupying, uh, is on that council for a two-year stint. But I suppose the question is, is there an, an off-ramp, as we say? Is there a way out for somebody? Yesterday, he announced that, as you said, his television performance was very unimpressive. He announced 300,000 reservists being called up, but they were not fit for battle, won't be fit for battle until well into the winter. He also 
uh, there you couldn't get a plane out. Uh, yeah. You talked about the and people of military age, and some protesters were actually taken in yeah. and given draft papers. So they are in in a, in a mess. Is there a way out for them, or are we all at the mercy of Putin's mentality? Whether he's paranoid, is there a way that he can be allowed? to take a deviation and get out with some honor because Zelensky, the uh, Ukrainian president, does not appear to be willing to give him that off-ramp. The plan, such as there is, and I'm, I'm not sure it's as, as worked out as this from Putin, I would suggest is as follows. I mean, he was clearly taken aback by the ease with which the Ukrainians made incredibly rapid progress yes. um, across the northeast of their country, uh, taking back um, not huge swathes, but, but reasonable swathes of their country, and in rapid time, uh, nothing much since for a week or so. It's going to get cold and snowy, um, fairly soon, obviously climate changes, as we know, and it's always variable. But somewhere between the next two or three and uh, eight weeks, um, it's going to be very difficult to prosecute uh, any form of inf infantry forward movement, which means long-winded way of saying the Ukrainians haven't got long to make further progress before winter sets in. During that winter, there will be, I'm sure, artillery shells between the two countries. Both sides will seek to rearm heavily, and Ukraine's receipt of Western weaponry is more impressive than what the Russians can do, and it doesn't look as if the other countries uh, are particularly willing anymore to, to help Russia that much. So then we are going to have a presumably a messy stalemate until the spring and the thaw with both countries more armed. What Putin is hoping for is that over the winter, European countries will feel the effects of the energy crisis, that there will be popular discontent, if not uprisings across continental Europe, and the pressure will be on Western governments, Western European governments, to put pressure themselves on Zelensky in the spring to sue for some kind of peace. That will be some sort of off-ramp for Putin. Maybe he would keep parts or all of the 2014 lands that he uh, misappropriated. Um, but as you say, will Zelensky put up with that. But it was interesting. Thomas Friedman in the New York Times wrote a very interesting piece earlier this week before Putin made his TV statement saying, we know in one respect what we want, which is for Ukraine to regain either all of its lands uh, nicked by Putin in 2014, Crimea is moot. Um, but we don't know the consequences of Zelensky achieving that. In other words, what would happen yes. in Russia? And it was, as I say, before Putin made these threatening statements. I mean, it is a question of who calls whose bluff, because if the West buckles now in the face of this from Putin, then not only will that be a sign for him, but it'll be a sign for Xi Jinping 
and others yes. to threaten nuclear annihilation in order to get um, conventional military uh, gains. And that will be an incredibly dangerous situation. You know, it feels very much like uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, dare I say it, back in the early 60s. Yes, unfortunately, I was around at the time. I was 17. And this does now, at this stage, feel like the Cuban Missile Crisis felt. Um, Medvedev, the former president who stood in for Putin while they were rigging the constitution so he could come back and serve forever, has said yesterday they reserved the right to use tactical nuclear weapons or any other special weapons if their territory is infringed. Now, this is where this weekend referendum comes in because they can declare and will declare that uh, these uh, four provinces are now part of Russia. The, the question, before we come on to the European unity aspect of it, if a tactical nuclear weapon was used, John, what must NATO's response be, and what is it likely to be? Oh, God, that is such a... And don't forget, Eamon, there's also the Russians have formed when it comes to chemical weapons. Yes, of course, um, and, they, and what they did in Syria yeah. and got away with, yeah. uh, and, you know, uh, Obama's famous red, red line and all of yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And that is etched on, I mean, one of the reasons, <clears throat> going back to February, why Putin did what he did, was he just assumed that, the, that both Ukraine domestically and the West in a yes. larger form would roll over. Yes. And he, I think, was shocked that it didn't. And I think we were surprised that the West was as resolved as it was and that Ukraine was as incredibly brave and determined as yes. it was. So, because what did Putin have to look on? He had, as you say, he had Obama's red lines that weren't very red after all. And he had a lot of Western equivocation towards Russia. And these supposedly brave Brits were laundering rich Russians' money and reputations for 30 years or so. So he could have been forgiven a smirk um, when the West s uh, started challenging him, thinking, you know, I've been, I've seen it all before. You guys are not up to much. And now it's, now it's all changed. So what happens if there is a tactic? It depends where it is. It depends how – I mean, it's just such an awful conversation to be having. It, it depends where it is. It depends what damage it causes. If it is in any NATO country, and I'm sorry if this sounds instrumentalist, then I think we uh, have there will be absolutely full-scale retaliation of some sort. Um, if it's in Ukraine, it's not a NATO country. There's no Article 5 obligation, but I can't see how the West couldn't respond in some way, whether that's a nuclear way or some other way. I don't know. Uh, short of... The, the West has always tried to make it clear, and Biden particularly, who I think has, is not going to be given enough credit for the way he's dealt with this incredibly difficult situation. Yes. Um, he has rearmed Ukraine enormously while being at pains always to say that America is not at war with Russia, knowing the consequences of that. There are no NATO boots on the ground uh, in Ukraine. Um, but there is a lot of NATO country uh, weaponry going to Ukraine. So it is absolutely combustible. And I go back to what I said at the beginning. I think, the, you know, it, it's all good for the Irish, for the Brits, for the French, the Germans, 
whoever to be warning Putin, but his response will be, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? I, th- I think what's more important is what the, as I say, the Turks, who've been really important, the Saudis, yes. the Indians, the Chinese are going to say from now on in. Now, uh, just to f- before we move on to the Italian election on Sunday and to what's happening in Germany as well, am I correct in believing that the problem here is that the Americans and the West has said that Putin cannot win? And the fact of Putin's presidency and his regime is that they can't lose. Yeah, I mean, there is, if you're being cynical, there is wiggle room in this. Um, I mean, the Brits have gone further, um, particularly Liz Truss when she was foreign secretary saying Britain will not, you know, as if Britain's got such a big role, it's classic British self-aggrandizing. But, you know, Britain will... To be fair will... to Boris Johnson, I, I've rarely praised him, uh, John, but mm. he was first up to the plate when this happened. No, he was, and the Brits have been, but the Brits have, uh, where I think the Americans have been smarter is not necessarily, well, the Americans obviously given by far the most in terms of military provision, but in the politics and the diplomacy of all of this. Because the Brits have said, we will not accept any outcome short of the full removal of Russia and the restoration of Ukraine to its pre-2014 borders. Yes. Now, of course, in principle, that's what we all want. There isn't a shred of um, uh, rationale or um, ethics or moral justification for anything that the Russians have done, zero. But um, what does that mean in practice? To, To prove that with the American formulation, we must not let Putin win is smarter, in my view, because that allows a wiggle room in which temporarily at least, for example, they might hold on to Crimea, but they would have to give back the uh, Ukraine's eastern lands or most of it or something. It's all terribly sordid, and it is not what anybody would want in principle, but it would give Putin a tiny bit to save face. Um, Or you engineer a situation in which Putin is removed, but that is easier said than done. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On Sunday in Italy, we have prospect of a coalition emerging from the election. Uh, Georgia Maloney is the leader of the Brothers of Italy. She would be the first female prime minister. Her party is believed or in polls to be the one that will top the poll. Salvini, Matteo Salvini of the League, his fortunes have fallen because he was insulting to the poor people in the South. And then our old friend, Bunga Bunga, Forza Italia, with what's his name? Bunga Bunga. Berlusconi. Uh, Berlusconi, of course. Um, he may well form the third leg of that coalition. But that will take, uh, together with the result in Sweden last week, it will take Europe to the right quite significantly. And when you add in Viktor Orban and maybe the Brits, the way they're going, there'll be a lot of right-wing people in Europe who may not be comfortable with the EU or the EU with them. I'm reminded, Eamon, of something an American journalist wrote um, during the Brits' latest piece of um, political madness um, and instability when Boris Johnson <laughs> was finally defenestrated and the parties stopped <laughs> at number 10 and Liz Truss came to power and noting the fact that Britain had had four prime ministers in six years. Uh, this journalist wrote, Britain has become like Italy, but without the weather and without the food. And um, <laughs> you that was before the Italian elections. And sad to say, I think this horrible rogues gallery of Maloney, Salvini and Berlusconi is a new low for post-war Italy. It's worse than anything it's worse than anything in Italy, even, that has come before. You do despair sometimes. Sorry to any Italian listeners. You do despair of Italy because in Mario Draghi, they had a really competent, safe pair of hands who was doing well economically, who was you know, pretty liked, who 
was giving Italy respectability around Europe and around the world. And what do they do? They get rid of him. And then they produce this bunch of right-wing, you know, nutcases. Um, Berlusconi, we know all about him. Salvini, absolutely in the pocket of the Kremlin. Um, Berlusconi used to have, uh, nobody quite knows how many children Putin has had, but had some of his um, uh, kids there. Um, and the Italian-Russian link, uh, I saw this when I was in Moscow, there are all kinds of really, really dodgy Italian business links with, with Russia. The interesting question uh, around Maloney is how, where she stands on the Putin front. And it's, yes. it's not as clear as one might think. Everybody's making the obvious comparison, just because I think she's a woman, uh, with Marine Le Pen, uh, who started off by being very pro-Kremlin and also anti-EU, and in the course of her campaign, tried to tone that down a bit. The problem with people, we used to always think that politicians campaigned hard for their core vote during an election process, but would then always cleave to the main, to the middle yes. ground once the uh, burdens of office and the responsibilities of office had been made clear to them. That's what we thought about Trump. That didn't happen. That's not what we thought about Boris Johnson. That didn't happen. That's what we thought about Liz Truss. It seems that's not going to happen. And so the idea that we think that Maloney, the economist this week has just written sort of, she may not be as bad as we think. And instead of saying Europe should worry, it's, it's front page cover says, should Europe worry? Question mark, which I think is a bit lame, to be honest, because I know for a fact, talking to European ambassadors in London and elsewhere, they are worried stiff because they are worried that it's the thin end of the wedge this winter, even if they don't say much overtly. But if the Italian public is encouraged by its politicians to start uh, in, in a sort of um, uh, goldfish bowl effect in which they they then encourage the politicians to go soft on Putin, then the next round of EU sanctions renewal, are the Italians going to vote against it? That will yes. encourage the Hungarians. And the whole deck of cards falls down. That is what they're most worried about. Yeah, to say we live in interesting times is a cliche, I know, but they are very unstable times. But to, to go briefly back before we let you go, John, we agree, I think everyone agrees, that Putin miscalculated about the West and the degree of unity that would exist if he made his move on Ukraine. With these developments, the developments in Sweden as well, it's it's hard to be so sure. Can I ask you about the Germans finally? And I noted this week that they nationalized a big energy company and they took over Rosneft, I think, as well. Where is Germany now in terms of its energy requirements? In a much, much better place. From and, a very and that's very significant and important yeah. from a European perspective, isn't it? Yeah. So Germany had a, what has now become clear and should have been clear at the time, a terrible energy policy of utter dependency on Russia. 
with its naive view of Wandel durch Handel, which means change through trade. The more you work with a country, the more interdependent you make on each other, the more they'll yes. be like us and the more, you know, this sort of virtuous circle of, of happiness and mutual dependency blown asunder. And it was, it was ridiculous to begin with. Um, but I think other countries fell for that. The Brits fell for that with China. And elsewhere. So they had 55% energy dependency. They have weaned that off hugely now. They, and increasingly, they should be by the end of next year completely off Russian gas. They should be off Russian oil pretty soon. They have these new LNG terminals um, offshore now. They have got their gas. I haven't seen the latest figures, but the last ones I saw about a week or so ago was their gas reserves were up to 85%. Um, which is pretty remarkable. Yes. And <clears throat> to be honest, I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, to be honest, I'm not an expert in any of this and in energy policy, but to my naked eye, if you're up to 85, 90%, then you can manage your um, supplies in such a way relatively comfortably to avoid any power cuts over the winter, knowing that, your whole supply system, your whole supply chain is going to be changing. For Russia, short term, there's obviously gain because the oil and gas prices, as we know, to everybody's costs, cost of absolutely soared. Um, and that's obviously money into Putin's exchequer. And that also means money for his war effort. Medium and long term, the Russians have nothing else but oil and gas. It's one of the many mistakes that the Russians have made since the 90s not to diversify their economy. They had, in Soviet times, notwithstanding that system, some amazing scientists and technologists. Yes. The smartest ones all got poached by Silicon Valley, and they've gone elsewhere. Russia could have, theoretically, it's a counterfactual, but it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, it could have developed a really smart tech sector, it could have diversified in all uh, in all kinds of other ways, but it didn't. And it became itself utterly dependent on its own exports of energy and other raw materials. Now, as soon as other countries, particularly Western countries, find other sources for that, those sources are never going to come back. The, the yes. two Russian pipelines, Nord Stream 2, is probably never going to come into existence. And Nord Stream 1 has been shut down by the Russians. But I think that's also not going to come into existence again. So medium and long term, leaving aside all the politics and all the dangers that we've been talking about, Russia's economy and energy policy is heading for a further fall. Right. A final question. Uh, I mean, the Italians, I think, is the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. It's hard to believe that. But um, if this government is elected as predicted, John, that's the brothers of Italy, Forza Italia, mm. and the League. Mm. It, it, it will be very bad news, will it, for Europe? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the French elections in the first round, when there was a, a sort of multiple choice before it was a face-off yes. between Macron and Le Pen, more than 50%, well over 50%, I think it was closer to 60 in the end, uh, I think it might even have been over 60 percent of French voted for parties of the extreme. Yes. Um, the extreme right or the extreme left. You had Le Pen and Zemmour on the right, and you had Mélenchon on the left. Now, and all of whom have previous in terms of being soft on Russia, and it's always been interesting how Putin 
basically is happy to support and encourage the far right or the far left, anybody, as long as they undermine democracy. So you have that in France. You have Italians clearly cleaving in that direction. Mercifully, you have Germany not doing so. The AFD, it's reasonably strong in a few eastern regions, but even there, it's not too much. And nationally, it's uh, just around 10%, which is too high. But still, compared to other parts of Europe, it's not so bad. Sweden, of all countries, going in that direction. But we've been there before. And we know we were talking about, you know, everybody was talking about the end of democracy in 2016. Yes. We had Macron talking about NATO being brain dead. Um, so actually, I'm not as pessimistic. Liberal democracy has shown remarkable resilience through Ukraine. Almost it needed Ukraine to yes. to bear its teeth again. We know what we want to fight for now. If we can get through this winter, then, uh, and you know, Britain is going to be a total mess, but that's more of its own making, then uh, it could be a situation in which this sort of, you know, we haven't even got to talk about Trump. That'll be another joyful discussion for another time. <laughs> um, you know, it could be that uh, this is just a, a bump in the road because people have seen that there is nothing attractive in the political, social or economic model, let alone anything else, of, um, of a certain Vladimir Vladimirich Putin. Okay, John, we're very grateful to you for joining us. Uh, that's John Kampfner. And John's book, by the way, his latest book is Why the Germans Do It Better, News from a Grown-Up Country. And it was published in 2020. It won a number of uh, awards and handsome reviews. And it's very interesting to read in the light of the present crisis. We're grateful to John, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.